welcome to the Moving Forward Podcast. It's fine. Everything's fine. We're fine. <laughs> um, Rio and I have almost broken up, I want to say, four or five times. Most of them was really early on, where I think the 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 different languages that progressives and conservatives sort of traditional right traditional left fucking labels blah 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 like that that we were talking past each other sometimes assumptions that that we make around language were were an issue um and i think in a lot of ways those conversations deepened our understanding uh of each other and and of our mission um What happened over the last couple of weeks is a different kind of problem in that we had a conversation around some Black Lives Matter stuff that got really weird. Um, and so we try to we try to just get back past that, and of course, like you guys have no idea, like Rio and I have like dropout fucking wars off the show. Um, that that is just the thing that you know has has always happened, and we always kind of figured out a way to to come back and sit down. Um, but it really that the stuff around that really really struck me, and I had this really nagging and horrific feeling that this was a bigger problem. And I kept trying to solve for that myself. Um, Cause you know, I'm the one who's frustrated. So I should be the one who has to figure it out. Um, and then we did an episode that, it confirmed every single worry that I had. In the Trump era, we are absolutely allied. Every reasonable thinking person must be allied to defeat this. <clears throat> but the thing that I saw was that conservatism as people like my dear friend Rio have been sort of bred and trained into is what created Trump. And you could be glib about that. Um, but that's what I saw this episode that we did. And I've been trying to sort of think my way past it and try and see it, how other people might see it. But the title of this episode should be conservative makes common cause with racist to win election. So like, I know, you know, Wait, you, you, you've who, said, would, is, is this still the introduction or should I start talking? <laughs> no, this is still the introduction. I mean, I, I, I don't know how else to do this. So I'm just kind of laying out what I've been struggling with. Literally nonstop for two weeks. All right. I'll be quiet a little longer. No, no, Because no, like, we need to get you in on this, obviously. Yeah. Um, and so, like, I know, you know, Rio has said he's against the Southern strategy. And I think at a visceral, logical level, he is. But at the same time, 
push come to shove, election we're afraid to lose, don't piss off the white guys. And it, it, it brought back all of the times we've argued about McCarthyism and all of the times that, you know, we focus on the one-liners that are very, very terrifying to centrists, right? Like the whole defund the police thing, which a lot of this has been around. <clears throat> and as like strategic sort of, uh, uh, you know, imperatives to make sure we don't lose an election, you know, like what, what are you going to focus on and have expand? So I have to make the decision now, you know, can I look past all of this stuff or can we have a conversation that sort of ameliorates all of this? Um, to the point where I want to continue increasing the platform for this discussion with effort. Because, um, yeah, I mean, the, the Moving Forward podcast, I, I am absolutely categorically proud of what we've done so far and because it's been this challenging. So this, you know, if it was an easy thing, everybody would do it. Um, but I'll tell you, like, it is the center of stress for you know most of my waking hours because i'm genuinely concerned we're going to beat trump that's going to happen um but do i want to help make the democratic party what you want to make it real and i don't know that i do okay so that's a lot wow yeah sorry. Um, first it, of all i'm sorry that i have been living in your head the way donald trump apparently has infected all of our heads these last three years because that more because I actually care about you to another person. <laughs> well, I, I mean, uh, I think I've referenced this quote before, but one of the most interesting things that um, you know, Sam Harris is a liberal, and um, and I mean, he's liberal in the sense that I'm liberal, but he's also liberal in the colloquial sense of being significantly to my left. Um, and uh, and one of the things he said about Donald Trump is that just the fact that this guy because he's so obsessed with getting attention um, and because he's incompetent and dangerously so given his position is just living in our heads. He's just living in our heads. And, 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 and Sam Harris said like, you know, it may, kind of made me take for granted that apparently what it means to live in a free society is to be able to just go about your day without worrying about the people running your country. Yeah. Like what a gift, right? Like that, all, right. like, that if if we could render that down to a bumper sticker, like Joe Biden, never talk about presidential politics again for four years. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I uh, one the of the of yeah one of the Lincoln Project guys uh, wrote an oh. essay. I forget which one it was, but yeah, they, they made an interesting point that um, Trump is normally pretty good at nicknames and bullying, but the Sleepy Joe thing is going to backfire on him so hard. Because we are living through a dystopian third world hellscape that did not exist in this country before Trump was elected and does exist now. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be very hard for him to persuade everybody that that's somebody else's fault because he's the incumbent this time, right? Populism, is, it works a lot better. It's a lot easier to rage against the machine and complain about the system and complain about the people in power when you don't have to actually do the hard work of running the goddamn country. And trying to figure out how to work with other people and all of that stuff, right? Who disagree with you. And so Trump is just figuring out what all populists figure out when they get into power is that 
oh, who knew healthcare was so complicated, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and so like the Sleepy Joe thing, you know, most people, I think, the sorts of people who are not on Twitter, the sorts of people who barely follow the news, but who do vote, are just kind of tired of this bullshit. They're tired of Trump being a noisy, obviously deranged piece of shit fucking up our lives every day on television. Mm-hmm. Whether they want, like if they want to avoid it, they can't. He's right. like, if you could avoid it by, by, you know, browning out or even blacking out the news, now you can't avoid it because people you know are getting sick and dying. And there are riots in the streets and there are protests and there is police brutality. And now there's the frickin' Gestapo, uh, which is 100% unconstitutional. Um, is uh, like, you know, <laughs> it's like you can't, you can't ignore it. So I, when, um, when, when Trump invaded Oregon, um, I, I put out a tweet that's, that pointed out the, the hypocrisy of populism. I think I said something like, populist hypocrisy number 4,267. <laughs> but like, quotes, neocons start wars for political gain. All right, well, apparently that's fine if you're a Trump-style populist, as long as the war you're having is against the United fucking States. Right? And a lot of Trump supporters still think of themselves as anti-war. He invaded Oregon. <laughs> oh, the only reason I'm laughing is because like every word of that is just true. So you can't, people can't, can't turn it off. And honestly, I think they would like somebody who is quietly qualified and not crazy. I think sleepy to them sounds yeah. like, Dude, everyone Peace. needs to fucking nap. Are you kidding me right now? You mean I could send my kids to school and go to sleep and not worry about it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's patently ridiculous. We already have a person hopped up on Ritalin. Like, let's get somebody else. Let's get somebody else. All right. So now let's get into your actual concerns. But I guess that was by way of uh, illustrating that we are on the same side. Um. So two things stood out to me, and there's probably more that I didn't fully pick up on or forgot about because you were kind of throwing a lot of stuff at me there. Yeah, it was a Um, bit of a diatribe. um, No, that's totally fine. I mean, it was actually really informative for me. But anyway, oh, that's right. And I was also just apologizing for, you know, infesting your your psyche like that because that is not something I intended to do. I definitely wouldn't have invited anybody on. You know this, right? I think you know this. I wouldn't invite anybody on the podcast if I didn't genuinely believe that it was going to help us achieve our shared goals. That's the truth. Um, And I I believe that. Okay. Well, that's a a good starting point. Um, Because for me, the, the part that was upsetting to me personally on an emotional level was just... You know, we've got 120 odd episodes together. We've been friends for over a year. Um, and someday when the apocalypse is over, I hope to go camping with you in real life. <laughs> and I was just like, damn it, what? He should trust me by now. You know what I mean? So I hope it's not an issue of trust. Um, and you know what it ahead. is? And this is, this is like the, the, It kind of is. Okay. Um, I, I believe that you believe everything you just said. Uh-huh. Um, but it like the, the, the subtext of operating in our shared goals 
Um, I, I am feeling pretty intensely that that is no longer the case. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that, that, that does kind of, that does kind of get to what I was going to say. I, so, for the record, I hate that. Like, I don't, yeah, no, I mean, I don't I get like it. feeling I that way. Don't like it being in my head. Yeah. I hear you, man. I'm, I, I'm with you. And please don't, if I'm laughing, don't think that I'm dismissing what you're saying. That's actually like a nervous thing that I do when I'm for the, I know that. <laughs> I mean, also, I sometimes We've had just laugh because about arguments that, yeah. like, yeah, no, I. It, so, yeah. Sometimes I just laugh though because my co-host is funny as hell. Other times it is nervousness. Yeah. It's it's a little of both. Um. Okay. Um. So something that stood out to me was you said uh, that Rio says he was against the Southern strategy. I think that's true. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Um, you know, like intellectually, but when push comes to shove, he's clearly willing to make common cause with racists, um, in order to win an election. Um, and I, I, the reason that stood out to me is because I was a little relieved because first of all, it, it means that you don't think that I'm racist, which is something I was worried about. Or at least not consciously so. I mean, um, I, I'm, I'm. No, I. <laughs> you and I, I are I better educated that. than yeah. uh, than um, than the, the 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 fellow who we had on the podcast, who comes from more of a working class background, um, and he may not know this, but scientifically, we have proven that all people, all people, harbor unconscious biases, including racist biases. I reserve the term racism for people who are unapologetically racist and believe in racist ideologies. Um, I do not use that to refer to the kind of unconscious prejudice that we all experience from time to time. And that should make a decent person feel bad. Right. Mm -hmm. So obviously I'm not claiming to be a saint, but I'm just saying like, I don't hold racist ideologies um i'm not even sure if that guy did or not oh well we can talk about that <laughs> if you want it's deeply deeply inarguable to the point that okay. like he's using breitbart talking points like i had him pegged from the second he said the word 1619 oh i see but that's not true because sam it harris is, is also he's the same guy that has been preemptively race baiting with the muslim shit as well right and consciously doing it oh, there's a reason no. why sam harris and i don't get along and that's no. it Okay, well, like he does it. He does it for attention in the same way Trump does. He just has not, a better. He just has a better sounding argument. It's very funny because it's not my art, my job on this podcast to defend um a a, a, a podcaster, a fellow podcaster who's significantly to my left. <laughs> but I mean, in terms of policy, he wants taxes to go up, and I want them to go away. Right. So we aren't on the same side on policy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But I do think, and this does, this does get to the heart of our disagreement here. Um, that regardless of whether or not Eric as an individual, I brought him on as I, I think it's a think normal it's guy. Right. Well, no, well I, let's, let me finish my point here. I didn't yeah, bring him on right. because he's like some sort of influential expert. You know, we have those sorts of guests on. Right. I brought him on as one of our, many guests that we've had on who are just normal people, right? 
because I think it's important to have conversations. And I think that he represents a certain perspective that it would behoove us to understand, to um, effectively criticize something you need to actually understand it. And so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to make an ex example of that, that you'll be able to understand because it's about people like you, Corey. Um, I've noticed a lot of people on the quote, right. These people tend actually mostly to be alt right for, but you know, um, will dismiss people who have social justice concerns as being snowflakes or just too sensitive. They never really learned how to, um, you know, they never had to learn how to take care of themselves. They never had, they never learned how to stand up to the bully on the playground. And so now they need these safe spaces and universities to cry where they can't be challenged and all of this stuff. That is a huge tactical error because that's 100% not the reason that people who believe in social justice ideology believe in it. It's not because they're snowflakes. It's because they have a different moral framework for looking at the world. Um, you know, so there are some cultures that are like honor cultures and that's why things like duels happened, right? And some people are still very influenced by that way of thinking. Um, it's actually less, Trump is kind of like that. Trump comes from like an honor culture because of the way he was raised by his dad. I know this sounds like a tangent, but I promise it's relevant. <laughs> um, that's why it doesn't matter if someone calls him, you know, a fake billionaire or stupid or whatever. It doesn't matter. He doesn't, he doesn't respond to that by proving that he's a real billionaire. He could do that very easily by releasing his tax returns, for example. He does it by challenging them to a duel, right? In the 21st century version of it, which is basically, you know, tweet bullying and shouting about them and calling them bad names on TV as the president, using the bully pulpit to literally bully American citizens. Um, he does that because he comes from an honor culture and his moral framework is the most important thing is that you stand up for yourself. Then there are other people, and this is the tradition that falls more into traditional liberalism. The decency culture is you're supposed to treat everybody with decency and you don't have to stand up for yourself in the same way you do in an, in an honor culture because there's this like common understanding that the person being an asshole to you is being an asshole and you can just kind of like let it brush off you and, and move on. If you are going to have to do something to defend yourself, you're going to involve the authorities. You're not going to like go at it yourself, mano a mano with the other person. Um, so that's a decency culture. Um, social justice has a different kind of, of moral worldview, um, which regardless of how you feel about it, if you wanna understand how they actually think, it's one that is based on power. And anybody, the way they look at it, anybody who has power is always the aggressor and it's always wrong. Um, and the way to resolve moral conflicts is to tear down power structures, right? That's, that's where it's coming from. I mean, no, I don't, it's I don't, not because, I don't it's not because there's no- anything that you've said, but go on. <laughs> well, it's not, it's not because there's snowflakes. It's because they have a different moral worldview. And 
we know this is true because literally hundreds of people have written essays and books about this, the subject of social justice ideology, making that exact argument that I just made. That is, that is their position. It's that uh, racism is not um, an individual prejudice that a person holds. And so really, and they, many of them have literally said this, literally it's impossible for black people to be racist because they don't hold systemic power, right? So these are the, these are the kinds of things that people like Eric are responding to. I don't know whether or not Eric himself holds some other racist ideology, but I do know that I have sympathy for people who worry that what passes under the moniker of social justice, I mean, obviously, you know, those two words sound good. Like, I mean, like, uh, you know, if I didn't know anything else about it, I would be tempted to say I support that. But what, 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 what passes under that moniker is a racist ideology. Um, and that's the concern. You see, that's the concern that people like Sam Harris are addressing. They're yeah, worried so, that so curious, this is this is my main this is my main worry, right? Like, I've seen I've seen people make this error all the, a lot. So why do you think it's an error, though? Well, I'm going to describe that in as much detail as my tiny brain can muster. Okay. <laughs> um, it's it's a, basically a squeaky wheel logic error. Uh -huh. um, you or anyone has a bias that clearly this. Uh, this mob, and I use that word intentionally, has an underlying ideology that is directly in opposition to my ideology and it's a dropout war to the finish. None ah. of that has ever been true. But it's a way to justify to yourselves that protecting all of your power and privilege is entirely justified. So here's the thing. Um, you find these people that write these books, these people that write these articles, do they exist? Of course they do, right? Um, and anything that looks like that within the framework of say the Black Lives Matter movement must therefore be part of that ideology. Now here's from my end, what I'm seeing is a bunch of actual systemic racism from redlining to over-policing to you know, uh, 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 you know, policing deserts to fucking food. You know, like, is institutional racism real? A cursory look at the data shows you that it is, especially in the real lived experience of people that have a different skin tone than we do. So when I look at these movements, and I did this, I just Googled these movements. It's okay, like, who's actually doing organizing? Where is this intersecting with actual politics? Where, where, what are they asking for, for real, right? And, like, you look under the hood of the defund the police movement, and, because that's all it takes, right? You're not going to find Maoism. You're going to find people that are saying, hey, listen, could you stop having people militarize the police and spend more on education? That's all you're going to find. Right. So you're not going to find, you know, these people that are writing books that say like all property and landlords and like all power this and all power that. And like you black people can't be racist. Yeah. Those people exist. None of that is important in this moment, except to people that are afraid about protecting their own privilege and power. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot there. Um, I actually agreed with most of what you said. Um, so I'm just going to try to nuance out the reasons why it seems like we disagree 
when in practice we might not actually disagree. I don't think you and I disagree about the philosophy. I think that you are a liberal like me. You just are more on the left side of the liberal spectrum than I am. And that's part of the reason that the show works. Um, I think that you are motivated by your big heart who wants to help people and wants to make the world a fairer, just, more just place um, to give the benefit of the doubt to people you perceive as fighting for that cause um, and to maybe not give the benefit of the doubt to people who you perceive as being against that cause. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily wrong, right? I'm just saying that that could be the source of some of this confusion, right? Because what I'm about to say now is going to be my attempt to, again, nuance this, to try to help you see what I'm seeing, which is that we agree. Um, and if we have any disagreement, it's really more about political strategy. And we definitely have a disagreement about the policy direction. Well, not even that actually. We have a disagreement about what our default goals for the policy um, direction of the future of the Democratic Party would be in a non-Yang universe, right? But we've resolved that with policy is honestly the easy part. Philosophy, I think we mostly agree too. And here, and then, and then maybe we disagree about political strategy. Um, okay, philosophy. Obviously, I'm not saying that regular Black Lives Matter protesters necessarily believe in the ideology I just described. For one thing, in order to believe in it, they'd have to understand it. And most people from every movement, including conservative movements, are not that educated about this kind of stuff, right? So they just don't, they couldn't be believing in something they don't understand. So they don't believe in it. Some of them, some of them do. It might be a minority. It might be a statistical outlier even, okay? So I just wanna put that out there. Mm -hmm. The, and I want, to, I want to point out that when I invited Eric, this guy has said some things on his Twitter that are deeply upsetting to me, right? Yeah. Well, but when you I said that, have I, him I on, went to his Twitter feed. Yeah, I was like, fucking yeah. problematic. Yeah. And I want, and I, and I, and it's so upsetting that I almost blocked him several times. Um, but I wanted to have him on the show anyway, because I feel like, the reason that people like him are concerned about this is that it's, there is some truth to the fact that the influential people, the elites of, the, of, of, uh, of that movement, the social justice movement, the professors who write the books and the essays, and who educate the activists who organize these things, believe in these things, a dangerous, scary ideology. It's also one that is, I have to assume, 100% motivated by nothing but good intentions. I don't think they're, uh, I don't think they think of themselves as bad people. I just disagree with them profoundly and deeply. Um, so what I'm noticing is in your effort to give the benefit of the doubt to people who are fighting for what you think the world should be like and, and maybe, you know, not giving the same benefit of the doubt to people you see as opposing it. In some cases, you might be too quick 
to dismiss the influence of that ideology on those movements. And at the same time, you might also be too quick to write off anybody who is critical of it as racist. I'm not saying that Eric isn't racist. I'm not saying that he is. I don't know. So I, let me just let me. But I know I'm not. You see what I'm saying? And so, so therefore, like, here's the thing. I'll tell you. I don't. And, I, and I've had people accuse me of the same thing by making the same mistake, because essentially their argument is. You just said something critical of something associated with BLM. Equals racist. And I feel like that's a little bit of a leap. In the extremely narrow context of that last sentence, I agree. Mm. Um, where I am comfortable calling out people like Eric. And you know I was uncomfortable doing it. Even when we were just talking privately, I didn't want to fucking do it. Well, and I'll also say this. Matt, the other guest I had on the podcast, you really didn't like. Mr. Sure like fucking either. blood and soil? Yeah. He is racist. Um, Matt has said things to me that are 100% only statements that could be uttered by a person who consciously harbors and believes in a racist ideology. Yeah. So um, I haven't seen anything like that from Eric, but that doesn't mean he doesn't. Well, here's the thing. Like if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck and sounds like a duck, it's a fucking duck. Right. If you're, which, is why, if you're, which is why I didn't want to get into the like, I don't want to waste our time arguing about whether or not this random. But uh, like, there's a reason why really I'm doing it. And it's, it's yeah. not because I'm having a knee jerk judgment of the fact that he, he opposes some particular policy. Okay, let's, let's focus on that because that seems relevant to me. Right. Um, the second I went onto his page, it's a constant and even videos from years ago of black on white crime. Okay. And the second you bring up the 1619 project, right? Which is basically like a bunch of black guys going back and looking at the history of slavery and lynching, which nobody wants to think about. Well, the, the aspect of it um, that Sam Harris critiqued, maybe this isn't the part that Eric takes issue with, I don't know. But the part that liberal left to so, be Sam Harris took issue with is the, is the claim that the reason that the, the US fought the Revolutionary War was so that they could continue to own slaves. And that I mean, just turns out to be historically not true. I mean, was it though? Because like the it, British it, were explicitly at the time saying we're not going to do slaves anymore. And everybody it, on the American actually side- Actually at the, at the time, King George was actually fighting to make sure that the colonies would continue to have slaves. He had okay. explicitly directed they must have them. The problem, the problem with wanting to see everything I mean, take any lens you want. You could look through so all, all of the Well, just let me finish. You could look, you could look yeah. at all of history through the lens of sexism if you want to, right? And <laughs> I'm not certain we shouldn't. Nor am I. But I'm just saying, like, when you're only looking at it through one lens, um, you miss the big picture. And it's not the fact that, of course, at the time of the Revolutionary War, some people were worried that they might eventually lose their ability to own slaves. Okay. That's true, right? This is but another that great does not, example. But that does not mean that the whole point of the war was just about keeping slaves. That, that, that just overlooks, Sh I mean, fine, it, 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 it erases the fact matter. that we were literally, we were the first modern democracy. Rio, we fought for a, the right to Rio. be self-governed. It's good. just, it's not Fantastic. true. Well, and again, I, I think that is debatable because you know did we see them as people no right Some so of us so did. here's the thing the 1619 project um is 
about examining the legacy of slavery in the United States. And you went and made the exact same squeaky wheel fallacy that you do a lot by finding one tiny little element of a massive project that allows you to dismiss it. Right. It, and like, it's, it's what just happened. I mean, we're bringing it up because you're using it as an example. Well, they like, going it, off of what I know. Here's but like, like, well, so black intellectual Coleman Hughes has also been vocally against the 1619 project. And I think it's okay for, for historians to debate whether or not certain facts right. should be taught as facts in our schools. Okay. Yeah. Right. And, and so, but I think that's that, all that, I'm saying. Like, I no, think, that's I fine. Think, that's okay. <laughs> but I mean, like, like but let's, also, let's frankly, put it the, the legacy gestalt, of right? slavery in the United States is so fucked up that there's no need to exaggerate it. It's awful. Well, but there's also it does not like, make us it gets, look good. It doesn't. But it, like, it, <laughs> the legacy has been to sugarcoat and ignore it, though, for 400 years. I, I think that some places in the South definitely do. I know. I like, live for, in one. For, like, they, yeah. For, for, for me, example, they, they for teach example, they not, teach that the Civil War. Yes was about yes. states' rights. It was not. It was about the states' rights to own slaves. 100%. Again, going by it. black intellectual Coleman Hughes, he took issue with the claim, which he found was specious, that the, the, that the Revolutionary War is just as much about the right to own slaves as the Civil War was. Yeah. I don't think, I think, as, I mean, I'm not an expert historian, but from what I can tell, that's a fairly contentious claim. That's uh, I, I watched Hamilton. I fucking know that wasn't the whole deal. <laughs> Hamilton was great. That's a by good the way. show. My, I really, of course, my wife saw it front and center in Broadway. Of course she did. <laughs> She's fantastic. So, so this got this got off the beaten path. Again, like yeah, yeah. the 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 reason the reason why it's a good marker, um, I think speaks to one of the core problems that I'm having with this whole project. And it's that the people that are bringing up the 1619 project, excluding Sam Harris, just for your sake. And Coleman Hughes, presumably. Okay. Yeah. It's, it, Breitbart is where you go to find stories about this. The Daily Stormer is where you go to find stories about this. Yeah, yeah. Trump, two days after we recorded Rio, was where you go to find stories about the 1619 project, right? Yeah. I, it I, is I, I, like I it's on the belt buckle next to the Confederate flag for identifying racist pieces of shit. Okay. Right? Okay. In I, the same way, in the uh, same please, way, please, please wrap this up quickly. Cause I, I have so much I want to say about that. I totally will. In the same way that every single person that brings up or uses as a knee jerk capacity, the word socialism or communism is just being a McCarthyist fucking scare tactic piece of shit. They are okay. identical to me real. And this is like, and I know, I know you feel differently about it, Please understand how many times I have been hit with this same bullshit that is being co-opted by tyrants like Trump and really the rest of the conservative party for my whole life. This is not new. It's just louder and grosser now, right? So like how much do I want to help increase the platform around these taglines that are going to get co-opted by assholes? Like okay. what's, what's in it for me? Yeah, no, that, that, that's... Um... Uh, you 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 ex you express that very eloquently, and I appreciate that because that's what I was trying to get at when I said that I think we agree we're basically expert at finding consensus on policy at this point. Um, on philosophy, we mostly agree. 
like we the, the biggest dis philosophical disagreement we've had is around where you draw the line about whether or not someone has a personal moral responsibility to do something to help somebody else. Um, but other than that, we are pretty much on the same page philosophically. And that's an interesting moral disagreement that we, our show could survive. <laughs> um, political strategy is an emotionally, not that policy and philosophy aren't, but it's an emotionally wrought subject because we both really want the Nazi in the White House to be fired in a hundred days, Can't right? Confirmed. And so I want to address your concern about making common cause with the racist, because I think that's a really getting right to the heart of, of your, your problem on that issue. Um, but I also need to address your, your, your point about um, exaggerating uh, the prevalence of socialist thought or the influence of socialist thought in the United States, et cetera. Um, Whew, where to go with that? That is rough, man. <laughs> this is welcome this is, to this the is, last two weeks this, of my life. And this, this is, is not this yeah. is this for the record. This is not one of my most favorite episodes. Um, but I am going to can in the tradition of our podcast, which is hopefully going to continue on in some form or another. Um, I am going to be candid uh, because I think it's not in the interest of our goal for either of us to um, beat around the bush. I think we need to say what we actually think. And that's one of the things I like about our show is that we do do, we do, do that. For example, we, we, we waste exactly zero seconds worrying about whether or not listener 412 is going to drop us because something we say pisses them off. We don't care. We, we're gonna say what we think is the truth and if it pisses people off, so be it. All right. I did oppose the Southern strategy. I think it's also worth pointing out that while I was a registered Republican, and I was raised by two Republican parents, and I was a member of the college Republicans in college, I have voted for independents in my life. I voted for Democrats in my life. I've been functionally a swing voter um, for reasons that I think I need to restate because they're relevant to this point. Um, I am not a partisan. My loyalty is first to my country and a set of ideals I associate with the country, the constitution, world law. That then secondarily my loyalty within what should be the acceptable window of policy debate is I want what I consider right-wing policy because I believe that's best for people in this country, genuinely do. Maybe third, maybe third, I would have a loyalty to a party, but I've never really felt particularly loyal to any party. Actually the closest, the most loyal I've ever felt to a party is probably the democratic party right now because they're the only alternative to the shit show that the GOP has become. But that's not because of a team sport mentality. It's not because man, I've always rooted for the Yankees and I'm going to keep rooting for the Yankees. That is a dumb way of thinking about politics. The best way to steer public policy in our system, the way it works in real life, is to reward both parties for nominating people who align with your values, right? Which in my case is right-wing values. So if Democrats nominate somebody 
who aligns with right-wing values, I'll vote for them. And in fact, you could even make a very astute and highly persuasive argument that even if the Democrats nominate somebody who's slightly to the left of the person the Republicans nominated, if that person is also significantly to the right of the last person they nominated, you should still vote for that person because you want to reward the party for moving in the direction you want it to go. So I oppose the Southern strategy because I thought it was a bad strategy. I don't like the company of racist pieces of shit. I don't like the company of sexists and homophobics and theocrats. I don't like the company of Dixiecrats who were never really economically right-wing and only joined the GOP because they're racist pieces of shit, right? They're bad people. I don't like their company. I also thought it was a bad strategy because I thought it would blow up on the party and come back to bite us in the ass, which is exactly what happened. And confirm. That's what Donald Trump did. Donald Trump is giving them the horrifying cocktail of radical, dangerously radical fiscal policy and super duper re regressive, regressing to before the constitution social policy. That's what they've wanted all this time. It's their wet dream and they're getting it. And it was only a matter of time before the party had to give into it because especially with the Democrats being per very reasonable on fiscal policy, in some cases actually better at it, um, especially at the national level, a lot of fiscal conservatives were, were leaving the GOP. So all that was left were the deplorables. And that's what happened. So my reason for opposing it wasn't because I'm morally opposed to, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll just call like the messy rough, rough and tumble of politics. It's because I thought it was a bad strategy. Well, yeah. And the way, so and everybody should know, like I, I have been feeling all kinds of ways about this whole situation. <laughs> um, you know, yep. And I wanted to make sure that I wasn't overreacting okay. to that session. So I, you know, picked out six people with varying degrees uh, of sort of political viewpoints, two super fans of the show who have literally listened to every single episode. I sent it to one of the biggest, well, the biggest financial supporter of Hashtag Coffee, who is uh, a preeminent lifelong Democrat hypercentrist. Um, the, the, and, and she embodied the most educated rampant vitriol towards your every single position of all okay. of them. Well, that would be something that would be interesting for me to hear about. It was not kind. And it really does come down to, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to sound like a McCarthyist to a bunch of Democrats who've been fighting them. It's all the same. Okay, that's so a, that sounds more like the. But, so, but that's like to, to boil it down. Oh, but I, right, I, right. and I want to get. I don't want to get too bogged down. We can go back to talk about that if you want to. No, well, I really want to. I just want to. I just want to place a, a flag real quick, just so we don't forget to yeah. come back to it. That a disagreement about political strategy we're starting to address nicely. I think there's also a disagreement about just the degree to which certain ideologies have influence. 
Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. No. And I mean, how that's, much that's we should? How much time we should waste worrying about them? And it sounds to me like your educated centrist Democrat friend, who probably is the sort of Democrat I would very comfortably vote for, right, and respect, um, was was taking issue with that. They don't. They don't believe that the party actually has that much. They have you know. I guess my response, my answer, my my statement to her would be: I hope you're right, and I want to make sure it stays that way. Well, right, it's, it, it's yeah. No, I think that that that's that's an interesting conversation. I was I was like she. she I I was hoping, frankly, that her reaction would be most in line um, with sort of talking me down. Um, and she was like, "No, you're absolutely right." It's like, well, fuck. Um, I shared it with, and he won't mind me saying this. I shared it with Chet, and that was, I think, the most interesting reaction. Like he, he, he definitely understood why I was having the reaction that I was having. Um, but because he's so into the kind of, uh, you know, the philosophical wars, I think, you know, because he, he loves getting into that kind of thing. I mean, he he's spends a, the most time talking to actual communists and socialists. Uh, right. Well, yeah. I mean, we're, and, but also like, you know, everybody in between, right? Like, like he's read every single textbook on the face of the earth 10 times and is, you know, it wants to discuss things in that frame and can. Another, another wicked smart person for sure. Yeah. Stupid smart. Yeah. Um, basically said, yeah, he was, he was the only one who said, you know, it might not be as bad as I think. That was interesting. <laughs> the only one? We, we, as as Democrats couching this Black Lives Matter movement in any other way than it is perfectly justified, it's going to be a big fucking problem. Um, Strategically or emotionally or morally or all of the above. Period. Get in right, the but, way. We will like, walk over you on the way to victory. That's how. Right? Like, it's... It, okay. I mean, I wanted to fucking cancel the podcast, not that episode, the whole thing. The second that you said that everybody who's resisting, uh, 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 everybody gets killed is resisting arrest. That, that second. Okay. So you, I did go back and listen to that one again after you told me you had listened to it again. And I do think that there was actually a misunderstanding there. Maybe, I, except for this. I, every, you, every you piece asked, of evidence you, you brought asked up with me David a, Pinker was you asked literally me a defending question. that position. Well, you asked me a yes, no question. Like, are you saying that everybody who resists arrest? And I said, yes. But then I followed it up with, I do think that most of them are. Okay. And I still think that's true. All but right. I certainly don't think they all are. All right. So, yeah, in that, I think that individual then said that something, she felt like something has changed. And I, what I think, and I told her this, like, I had mm -hmm. long, long conversations with each one of these people because I asked them for notes. They gave me this is crazy. You are you are so Dude. much better prepared for this. Well, no, conversation. listen, Rio. Like <laughs> I'm probably done with this podcast. I know. I knew and it was coming. I, it it fucking hurts me, dude. I know. I believe you. I know. And it's obviously. I'm sure it's sad for our listeners as well, and it certainly is sad for me. No, I, I again, nervous laughter. Also, sometimes things are funny. I mean, there is comedy and tragedy. So anyway, you know, if I'm going to do that, I'm going <laughs> to have emotions about it, apparently. Ah. Anyway. I think part of the reason I laugh is so that I won't cry. No, that... <laughs> well, because, like, your face actually does... You know what I mean? Like, they've yeah. shown that, like, there's, like, if, if you smile, it actually makes you feel better inside. Oh, yeah, and no, so, by all yeah. means, fucking yeah. laugh it up, fuzzball. Star right. Wars reference. Anyway, um, 
yeah, no, I, 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 I'm not going to do this without doing the work. What do you mean by that? Because that sounds really important to you. I don't know if you've noticed. There is a pandemic on, dear listeners. Uh, you know, there's a, and, you know, we're living in this, like we're watching fascism just happen in real time. And, you know, covering, covering this and covering the, the minutia of the Trump era uh, takes an emotional toll on people that feel stuff. And I hate being that guy. Uh, being more sort of uh, dispassionate would be a much more effective use of my time. But that is not the case. So I, I before all of this happened, um, was talking with you, Rio, about the fact that like I am defaulting to anger like all the time right in a way that is not producing the result in the world that i want to see like i'm not i'm not achieving anything that i want to achieve through this right like you know if if i'm in a conversation with a bully and i beat the fuck out of them because i'm angry that's actually a great result you know what i mean like that that's that's a thing you know if we if we smash what needs smashing, that's one thing. But that's not, you know, what I want to be doing now because it's not, it doesn't operate at scale, um, sadly. Except getting rid of Trump and making it the most ridiculous beating in the history of politics. That's, I guess, where that would be some overlap. So I, I needed to make sure that I wasn't just having an emotional reaction. Um, and so I reached out for help and I never really do that. So these people took it really seriously. Um, I like the, the, like the smallest bit that I got back was two pages. I didn't expect any of that. Um, and it really sort of ran the, 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 the gamut as far as, you know, if we're, if we're going to be creating this super party out of a bunch of conservatives and the rest of us, um, there's hard limits on that for the vast majority of us who have been here for a hot minute. For the progressive left wing of the party. Yeah. No, all Democrats. The hypercentrist was the loudest of them. Yeah, I know. I want to. I want to talk more. I want to talk more about that. It's not a yeah, left wing no. thing. Like she's the one who has been training, literally training fans of coffee, to go from being leftist activists to political operators in the Democratic Party as centrists. Like that's she is the definition of a longtime Democrat who is invested in politics at all levels, who will literally rip your face off if you're a progressive trying to go after somebody in a swing district. No, I totally right? like that. Like, yeah. like she knows her that. shit yeah. and no, has, I, I, has been I, I, moderating okay. the rest of us. Right. So like yeah, to no. say that she's part of the left or part of the whole progressive thing is just factually not true. Right. That's, she is dead center Democrat. 
okay, well, she might be the center of the Democratic Party, but she's probably not what I would call a centrist. Okay. I know she's a centrist. This is not a debate. Like, it, it like, politically, economically, all the way down the line. It, okay, well, you it, know, left, right, center, it's semantics. I mean, I, I, I understand... <laughs> I understand why <laughs> left, right, center, it's semantics. Well, oh, it is kind God. of. No, I know, but like of. how yeah. it only took a year. No, but like I mean, I mean uh, <laughs> well, let me clarify that. Oh, that but hurts. that's actually that's part of the reason why I went to such pains to talk about what I mean by other terms, right? Because sure. if you just say right in the context of like, if you watch like MSNBC or Fox yeah, News it's or the, CNN. They're tribal identifiers now, right? They like honestly that. just use them to mean Republican is right and left is Democrat. That's yeah. what they use them to mean. And there's a hell of a lot of nuance that using the terms that way misses. Misses the fact that there are people with profound differences about ideology and policy within both parties. Yep. Misses the fact that there are a lot of people who are not in either of those parties, right? Um, and it misses, frankly, the fact that the Democratic establishment would not be considered left-wing anywhere but the United States. So I, I, think, I think that, you know, my, my saying it's semantics was really just an expression of, my, of, of, of what I've been saying all along in my defense, which is just that, like, it's really hard, but we have to try to be as specific as possible. If you mean Democrat, say Democrat. Don't say left, right? Yeah. And when I say left, I don't mean Democrat. No, it, well, and, and, and every listener to the show has been trained to understand that explicitly. Okay, continue, uh, please. Because I, like, I feel like you're on a roll and you're real, really getting to the heart of, of the issue here. No, I mean, that's, you know, the, the basic sum total is, is I, I saw the future and I don't want to help build it. Yeah. And, and I am, you know, there, I want to see moving forward keep happening. But, you know, in discussion, like, you started looking for potential backups, and there are some good ones, I think. That, I, like, part yeah, of it, too, is, Let's not get ahead like, of ourselves yet, because no, no, like, I, I, I actually I, have an idea about... I, I had a very strong intuition that you were going to ultimately decide to leave, because I could tell that it was different from the previous times that you threatened to quit. Well, and I, I, also, I also threatened to quit once. <laughs> That's true. And I did on, it on Twitter, on Twitter. without was, telling Corey. That was a little, <laughs> that was, it's not, anyways. Like the passive aggressive bitch that I am. No. <laughs> um, anyway. So, part of it for me is that I can imagine like a hyper capable communicator, uh, who was steeped in meditative patience who could see through to people's souls and hearts and like call that out and and make something brilliant out of that and right now i'm not that guy Yeah, no, I mean that's a that's that's said in a beautiful, humble way. Um, okay, so no, like I said, I I already had uh, worked out a possible 
alternative future for the podcast because I, I was anticipating that you were probably going to ultimately leave. Um, and I don't, I don't, I don't want to really talk about that until we get to the end. Um, I feel like for our listeners sake, um, but also for our sake as friends, um, and for the sake of, of, of our shared goals, which we do still have, even if, you know, we don't share all of the same goals, um, it's still helpful to try to, there's still more to be said. Um, to, to address your concerns. I feel like you feel like you've expressed them pretty well. And I, so I, I'm just going to talk for a little bit and try to address them. Um, and feel free to stop me or ask follow-up questions or additional concerns that occur to you. Um, but basically, you know, the strategy disagreement is a very practical one, right? Practically speaking, regardless of whether or not we have all of the necessary data. That's kind of the problem. The problem is when you're trying to figure out what the best strategy is, you're, you're always working on insufficient data. One of us is right about that, right? Um, even if we can't conclusively prove which one. That is not a difference of opinion. It is one of us is right and one of us is wrong. And to spell it out, it's like either strategically speaking, setting aside any other goals, just if like, if you look just at the goal of Democratic Party having as much power as possible for as long as possible, regardless of what outcomes it results in in terms of policy, right? Just looking at it that way, either it would be more effective to build a coalition of moderate and centrist and conservative Democrats um, and all the never Trump Republicans who are, who are now ex Republicans like myself. And I would, I would include in this real progressives by which I mean people whose ideas will actually result in progress in real life, not just who call themselves progressive while advocating radical progressive ideas. That coalition, I personally believe would be a stronger coalition that would actually result in more victories than having one that alienates moderate centrist and conservative Democrats and never Trump Republicans. And which would then end up becoming a coalition of mainly real progressives by and fake progressives, according to my terminology, hashing out the differences there, which might or might not result in good policy results. That's not really the point. I'm just saying like, I don't know that I believe that that would be a better strategy um, to win. And maybe I'm wrong. We don't really have any way of knowing that for sure. That is based on, it's like a gut instinct based on my own experience talking to people about politics my whole life, looking at the data that we do have, right? Um, like for example, um, one of our previous guests who you got along really well with did point out that 59% of black voters when asked said they don't support defund the police. You and I both know that the actual policies that go under the moniker of defund the police are not that radical, but the slogan sounds radical. It sounds more radical than it is. And so that kind of data leaves me feeling like 
the coalition that I'm suggesting that the party build would would have a better chance of winning. On an emotional level, I honestly really do. I want to make this really clear, Corey, because whether you stay with the podcast or not, and it sounds like you're probably not going to, okay? But I just want you to know this about me as a person in case you keep listening to the podcast or in case we do go camping someday. I hope we do. For the record, that's happening regardless. Like awesome. when you when you have the camping thing, I'm going to fucking show up and crash party. I have no matter what the best fucking camping equipment too. It's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. um, Can anyone really honestly see Rio camping instead of glamping? Because everyone knows the answer to that. I, I yeah, I, I, I have, I have a, um, several tents, one of which has two bedrooms and I always bring several cases of wine to start. <laughs> what, what are we fucking savages? <laughs> I like it. Uh, okay. Moving on, moving on, moving on. Um, want you to know that my disagreement with you about strategy stands on its own and I am just admitting that as a matter of logical fact I'm either right or wrong about that and if I'm shown that I'm wrong about that I will change my tune because it's not my worldview it's just a gut feeling based on totally insufficient data that's all okay that's that's just that's just a political strategy argument and so i really think we need to like um take the emotion out of that because it's not coming from a place uh and i don't i don't mean that and like i'm not saying that you're being overly emotional i'm not saying that i'm just I'm, I'm like actually trying to calm you down a little bit because i you're my friend and i care about you and i don't want to be infecting your brain with horrible thoughts all the time so like that is not where I'm coming from with the strategy argument. Like, as somebody who wants the party to remain right wing, I will nevertheless admit if that's not the best strategy, because that is a separate question. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Moving on from that, um, there is something that is truly emotional here at play for both of us. And that is that we are both good people. You're probably a better person, but I'm not a bad person. We're both good people who are genuinely motivated by our own sense of right and wrong. And this is an area where it's much more fuzzy and where your, your philosophy, um, the way you look at the world really does come into play. And that's why it's so emotional. But when I see, as you know, I'm bi, um, and I'm very, 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 very experienced in activist circles around that subject in particular. And I have been morally outraged by the way that people with a specific economic agenda that I don't happen to agree with, but that's beside the point, frankly, have attempted to co-opt the entire LGBT movement and to go so far as to say that if you do not agree with our economic vision for society, that means that you're a bigot, you're homophobic, you're biphobic or something like that. 
Here's why that's fucked up. Because they're speaking for all LGBT people. And it's, it's bullshit. It's, it's frankly disrespectful of a movement that has its own local concerns that have nothing whatsoever to do with economics. And I understand that, yes, they intersect. Everything intersects with everything else, right? It also intersects with food culture. But that does not justify co-opting an entire movement and pretending to speak for a whole group of people who may or may not actually agree with what you're saying. And, and you, I find like, that, I honestly find that immoral and, I, and, so here's and the wicked. Thing, like, I... I can only believe that this has been your lived experience. Yeah. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> right? Like that. I, I guarantee that, you that some of the people listening to this will know exactly what I'm talking about. Okay. And, well, that's the thing, right? Like, I, you know, yeah. wh where, where, if I don't know, I'm going to tell you. Mm -hmm. And so like the, the idea that, that there is anyone who has been conflating LGBTQ uh, 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 advocacy or rights advocacy or, or whatever with an economic argument. Like I've never even seen that. And it certainly doesn't exist within the framework of the democratic party that I, uh, that I experience. Right. Like, right. so, and th so maybe, and this is, this is, I think one of the places where, where. Rap oh, sorry, Corey, please finish your thought. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Good. No, you're fine. Um, I, I do wonder what it would be like if if you walked into a, a, a like a, a a democratic meeting in Pasco County, for example, right? Because we did a lot of like just local shit and running people that way. And you know, obviously, we're we're I digest news through a, a democratic party lens because I am an active democratic, politically active human being, right? Yeah, have been for sure. a, a fucking hot minute. Yeah. And so I, I am seeing up and down the ballot here in Florida, um, you know, and, and like, the, and this is the thing, like it's, it's sort of comic a little bit, right? Like I uh, helped the, 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 you know, the democratic mayor win in a very, very red County. Um, and, you know, you'd go to these, the, you know, the democratic party of Pasco County, right. Which is like yeah. way behind enemy lines as far as, you know, operating in a, in a really Republican area. Mm -hmm. it, like old like thinking about conservatism as a bad word that area right like the theocratic idiots um and country bumpkins trump supporters all mm -hmm. so it, you go to, you go to the democratic party when when you know greg and i first started greg was actually much much more involved with this than i was because just he's a better person than i am um and it you know it's a bunch of old people mm -hmm. right and, you know, they have, uh, uh, you know, varying views or whatever, you know, the, 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 and it, some of it's really simple minded, some of it isn't, but it's, you know, the sort of core values are kind of there. And then when you see, you know, the kind of activism that, uh, you know, Greg was actually a paid uh, uh, organizer with, uh, with a group during the 2018 kind of thing, working with actual activists, like people knocking on doors, thousands of people knocking on doors and making phone calls and, you know, th this, this giant movement of the majority of people that are doing the work in the Democratic Party, 
I guess the, the part of why I become frustrated with the socialism idea or the, again, like that we would tie some, some weird, like kill all the landlords. I'm just, I'm inferring, right? I don't really know, but like some kind of really, really obnoxious economic uh, argument with the LGBTQ rights. Like none of that is real in the democratic party that I have ever seen. Yeah. Okay. Right? Let me now. Wait, are there Corey, people... I need to. I. I got it. I got it. Yeah, I got to go Just go ahead. take this head on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and again, I'm not saying it isn't real. I'm just saying, like, like. Yeah. No, where I mean, I'm interested in it. But like, I can. Function. I can certainly understand. For well, just the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the differences between your experiences and my experiences because that's relevant. Yeah. And then I'm just going to provide evidence for my point. Um, but. I can absolutely see how in a red county, um, local democratic politics would be very different. I 100% believe your, what you're saying. I think that that actually, by the way, um, helps me to understand where your educated centrist friend who might actually be more centrist than I gave her credit for. Yeah, well, maybe she doesn't. Wait, where? It, Pence country. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So in that place, it's going to be different. Right. And so like, I guess the one thing I would say in my defense, because you did say she was pretty harsh, um, is just that maybe her local experience suggests to her that what I'm saying is absurd, but her experience isn't the only experience. I'll just leave it at that. Neither is yours. Um, you know, at national conferences and international conferences, this stuff does come up. Um, and not only does it come up, but it's the dominant narrative. So that's like, I, I, well, Corey, Corey, we don't let, let me just let, no, like, let I want to say, like, I believe that you believe that where, <laughs> but like, well, no, I, I, I believe that you have lived that, that that is a real lived experience that you've seen. Yeah. Um, so two things. I'm only interested in this as it pertains to whether or not it actually expresses any political power in legislation. Well, if that's what I have to get to. Right? If it doesn't, then I don't care. And it's just a shitty talking point from the right. Well, okay. Right? Because again, um, like that's the biggest war for me. If yeah. you're saying maybe with better language, what Trump is saying, you better have a really, really good reason because I'm immediately going to discount it. Or not even Trump. What they've been saying since the 50s. Like, like the entire Republican party has been knee-jerk trained to say anything that is even remotely good. And we have more nuanced arguments about this. Don't get me wrong. Like I, 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 we have had more sane arguments about this than have ever existed outside of this. So like, you know, I, I, I don't want to just throw the entire thing out, but understand that it's, it's, it's in the context of having that be uh, like Breitbart before Breitbart, Nixon talking point forever. And it's never been true. Well, all right. Well, you're, you're conflict. You're okay. So McCarthyism and all of this, it's all, there's a lot of stuff going on here. Let's, let's stay on the, the local point that I was making. Okay. I will concede your point about policy. Okay. Um, and this is, um, this is something that I have done on Twitter too with that Eric guy. And point people are really going to want to hear the episode now. But like with that Eric guy, I came in and like, he was like, you know, yeah, Trump's really bad. And, you know, the alt-right is definitely too nationalist, but, um, you know, the socialist takeover of the Democratic Party, blah, 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 right? And 
as the guy who worries out loud on this podcast a lot about socialist influence in the party, right? I stepped in and I said, like, let's put this into perspective, dude, right? Yes, it's true that AOC, who calls herself a socialist, Keep in mind who I'm talking to here. You got to know your audience, right? Yeah. I, no, I'm, I'm not going to waste any time w- debating him with him whether or not she really is a socialist. I'm just saying, I'll give you. AOC calls herself a socialist. She was elected by one district in New York City. The two, two recent mayors of New York City, Giuliani and Bloomberg, right? So I was saying the idea that socialism has this huge influence in the party isn't true. I was making your point for you and I was backing it up with evidence. You got one socialist in a district in New York City, self-described, and who routinely elects moderate Republicans. And it, and it really okay, like, and what, So that's just bullshit. I had another example of that too on a bigger level. I said... Then you look at a state like California, which has multiple big cities, solid blue state. They have center-right representatives like Nancy Pelosi. And Vermont, which is relatively small and rural, with a bunch of hunters, has the only self-described socialist in the Senate. One person who also isn't even a Democrat. And so when you say it's dangerous to make it sound like this has more influence than it does. I agree. And I push back against it when, when I see people, I call bullshit when I see it. I really do. Well, that, thank you for that. I get like the, the, the two things I want to add to that is like, I firmly believe, except in maybe the conferences that you go to where people are actually like, no, we need to own the whole fucking piece of production. Like, is there one asshole like that? Maybe one asshole like that in every room? Maybe. But like that is not aoc this is not i actually right? also agree with that point but that's like the, not... like, the like the way people are using the word socialist for well, themselves has been now co-opted to basically mean we want to be more like canada and the entire time we've been hanging out i have never heard a compelling argument that that isn't the case even when I, it comes to it, bernie sanders it yeah. is still to this day really terrible branding or just tribal warfare. I mean, if I wanted to be super generous, right? If you keep getting called a socialist, like I want to call myself Antifa all the time because I'm fucking over it. Like it's made up. I actually on coffee all the time call myself the treasurer of Antifa because it's, it's funny. A, I think I get it. I, I think that's a, an effective, smart rhetorical strategy and you have a great sense of humor. It's one of the reasons we get along. I'm, I, just, I brought that up because I wanted yeah. to illustrate that people who are saying that I'm exaggerating the influence of socialism in the party are just getting me wrong. That's not what I'm doing. So let me try to explain what I am doing because I'm not doing that. Okay. So I I will stipulate that that might not be your intention, but over the last 130 episodes, that is what you've been doing. I mean, really, if you go back and listen to most of the episodes, I honestly think that this will be the main takeaway from them. what I've said about the issue. All right. I've said the Republican Party has been totally taken over by radical alt-right people who hold 
views that are to the left of the Democratic Party establishment, and that the party is so far gone that it needs to lose massively for its own good. I've said we should vote for Democrats. I have said that the Democratic Party is, the establishment certainly in any case, is center-right in global politics. And I've also said that there are some people, most of whom aren't Democrats, but who nevertheless try to um, infiltrate the Democratic Party, who are socialists. That's what I've said. And that socialism is bad and that the Democratic Party should tell those people to go fuck themselves. That's so to say, this, yeah, so this is, I was, I said I was going to bring up. They should tell them to go fuck themselves one. because it's so bad and also is, because we no. don't need them. We don't need them. Well, here's the thing. This is, I think we've, we've hit another core element of our disagreement. You want to have, you want to carve out the socialists are bad thing. And this I want is, them all out of the party forever right. permanently. So here's the thing. This is this is where we're this is one of the reasons why this isn't going to work. Because if you look at every major country in the western world, every single thing that makes them better than the United States was a compromise that they made with people calling themselves socialists. I don't want to kick them out. I want to platform them. Because yeah, <laughs> this country, I'm, I'm dead serious. I've been thinking well, we about this a lot. we have platformed several. Like, We've actually platformed, platformed like five or six. No, like it, as a party, I don't want to kick them out. I want to give them a megaphone because this country's fucking stupid. Like it's designed to eat poor people for fun and money, right? Well, and, it's, more like, it's more like it's more willing to let people die rather than help them. Not it, quite the same we thing. just said the same thing. Not people really. are profit people are profiting from that right why like look at why they're trying to people profit from providing people with things they want or need they don't profit from okay listen to me people. very just in this narrow narrow thing right <laughs> okay in florida they're trying to force the schools open which is going to have a death toll why are yeah. they doing that money that's it it's just money why, why do they want to get rid of the $600 uh, uh, um, you know, a week thing to basically where we were helping to pay people? Can we to just stop home? for a second to talk about how ironic it is that the party that, when I was a member of it, at least pretended to still be the small government party, right? Yeah. It's the one that's going to have to force all the kids to go back to public school. Right. Well, and like we're gonna give two trillion dollars. So I'm on your side there. That's well, no, dumb. but like listen, like as a function, like we're yeah. missing missing the larger point that okay. that I, I, that informs my rage, frankly, and you know why I think that the people calling themselves socialists, Rich, again, when you look at the things that you know, once the 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 rubber hits the road in legislation proposals. They're just asking for stuff that is working in other countries for the most part, not exclusively. And I think if you go back part. and listen to all of our episodes and you listen to what I say carefully, not that I, by, I mean, you'll probably find one or two places where I misspeak because, you know, I'm, I'm a human. But I have always conceded that point that there is so, a difference between right. people who call themselves socialists but who actually aren't but and people who are real socialists. Right. And I'm not talking, I, I, I do see both of them as problems. Okay. But I see them as distinct problems. The actual socialists should be ignored. 
well, the I people mean, who call themselves socialists but who aren't socialists should be educated. Well, I mean, or not, right? Like that, that's a strategy call from a conservative, not somebody who's been operating within the Democratic Party fighting to win elections all over the Yes, country. from a person who calls himself a conservative with right. the understanding so, that, that one of the things I'm trying to conserve is liberalism. Right. And, and which that's, is under that's threat right. by the alt-right and the far left. And, and again, like narrowly defining the far left as for sure not AOC. Yeah, I think that, there, I think that there's room for gradients and nuance on that. And I want to get to that next. And I think that would be helpful for us. But, I guess, but that's I will, the thing. Like, the, no, but like, I was just going to say, like, I, will, I, will, I will generally concede that point. Um, I, I, I just realized that you're, when you ask me about um, the evidence uh, about of the the fact that people are co-opting these movements and speaking for large groups of people who don't necessarily agree with them. Yeah. Um, so for those listeners, including Corey, <laughs> who don't know what I'm talking about there, especially about, well, specifically about the um, LGBT thing, I wrote a long essay about it. You can go read it. It's the essay is called Liberalism and Queer Rights. And I back it up with references to several academic books and papers. I lay out the argument there. And essentially what the argument is, is we should stop knowingly or otherwise using a neo-Marxist narrative to justify LGBT rights and return to a classically liberal narrative. And the, and the reason I argue it is because one, I believe liberalism is better. And two, because I think that it's actually backfiring on the LGBT community, precisely for the reason you pointed out, Corey. It gives ammunition to people like Donald Trump. You know, like, I agree with you. If I say something that Donald Trump also say, says, I should stop and reflect upon that, right? But Donald Trump said lots of things that are kind of true. He said that, you know, like, there are a lot of forgotten people in the middle of the country, who, whose towns have been hollowed out and all of this stuff, right? Andrew Yang himself says Trump diagnosed the problem, but offered the wrong, the, diagnosed the right problem, offered the wrong solution. So what well, I'm saying and, here is and once a day, sometimes if there's Joe even Biden a kernel, if there's, just let me finish, if there's even a kernel of truth to what he's saying, it's going to ring true to some people. And if the people who recognize that there's a kernel of truth to it are attacked as racist, that's only going to hurt our cause. So... Well, that, that, that brings us right Granted around. that most Trump supporters are racists. I'm well, talking thing, about, like, but no, you know, like, this is a game of small numbers in swing states. That's what I'm concerned it, about. It really, it, and you know, I, I, I get that that is a valid concern in your head and maybe true elsewhere. Um, for me, if you're the guy parroting uh, Breitbart headlines, and honestly, if Sam Harris wants to do that as well, that's on him. Right, but, but is my LGBT, Let me finish. my little independent LGBT magazine is not Breitbart. No, I, at no point did I say that. I am, I am operating under the assumption that everything that you just said about that is perfectly accurate and justified. I don't have experience with it. Okay. But as far as whether or not I'm going to call people like Eric racist, I'm going to tell well, you why. Eric might very well Listen, I'm going to tell you why I'm going to do it though. Like this okay. is not, because it's not a knee jerk reaction. Um, you know, the, 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 <laughs> like for anybody in this space and this is kind of why like the whole black lives matter and the defund the police movement you know the reason why 
even though polling I mean, polling on Black Lives Matter was underwater until five minutes ago, yeah. right? And then it wasn't hard, right? Mm-hmm. And the same is true for defund the police or will be. Yeah. And part of the, and this is I think in line exactly with why my my strategic argument for why we need to absolutely include people like the democratic socialists, not like burn it all down socialists, fuck them, or like, you know, all public property, like, you know, the real socialists, yeah, fuck off. Nobody's talking to them anyway. Like, this is not even a thing. But the people calling themselves socialists that are operating within the democratic party, I absolutely want them there because we need, in order, like, my personal goal is the the everyone, everyone, including the rich people in this country have been completely and totally underserved by how unbelievably heartless and stupid it is no one is helped by this right and i mean the pandemic is just proof positive every day in every single way that all of the propensities towards freedom so that rich people can make more money is fucking garbage right like that 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 impulse has to be regulated and there are nine really really good examples of how this can be done in a balanced way that still produces all of the best results about the capitalist you know, uh, enterprise structure that you could possibly do and doesn't grind poor people up for breakfast as a result. And so having, having a, a, a perfectly orchestrated centrist period um, coalition is what Obama did, right? And he failed utterly. Like from a legislative point of view, to bring things far enough to old school traditional economic left to actually balance this country out to where like part of the reason why they want kids to go back to school, Rio, is because they're going to fucking starve if they don't. That's so fucking unreal, right? Their, their parents are literally having to put themselves and their kids in danger because if they don't do it, they will die. Like in Canada, that's not a thing. It's okay. never, it so, never even remotely the, a thing. So here's I, the thing. I, I, the I whole reason why I'm bringing I, this up, Rio, yeah, is that we, we need on the, the – because the, the Republicans aren't going to do it, right? We need to have some force that is on the fringe that is pulling things in the right direction. And they will say things like Black Lives Matter. They will say things that are challenging like defund the police. They will say things that you know, uh, are on the, the, the woke side of the scale or whatever. All of that is pressure and challenging that is inherently good and might save us. Because if we just say, well, you know, damn all people, like, like kick AOC out of the party, kick Bernie Sanders out of the party, fuck everybody well, who Bernie says Sanders the word socialism. The you know what I mean? He's a huge, he's a huge part of this coalition. Hmm. That's just a fucking fact, right? We don't, we don't win national elections without incorporating the people that bought into that. that his base is... Much, much bigger more, than much bigger than the Republicans coming in. Much more um, reliably going to vote than Andrew Yang's, well, or yours. Well, I'm not running for office, but, but yeah. no, but like um, like the the, the never Trumper Republicans, which I I honestly think is a mu- is a much bigger group than even is commonly understood now. No, oh, Trump's numbers close. with Republicans. Not Trump's numbers with. Okay, so God, the problem, Corey, is there's so many things that I want to I want to talk about there because there's just, you know, and um, if if you were going to continue on as our co-host, that would be a good thing, because it would be a really boring podcast if we ran out of stuff to talk about. Um, and 
I don't know if this surprises you or not, but it does not surprise me. But a self-identified conservative and a self-identified progressive working out all of their differences or agreeing to disagree in a productive manner on policy, rhetoric, political strategy, and philosophy is hard. And 120 episodes wasn't going to do it. And it, the thing that I find tragic about you leaving isn't just that you and I have great chemistry and it's part of what makes the show so entertaining and something I'm concerned about. But on a deep, almost spiritual level, I say as a um, outspoken atheist, I feel like I'm losing a little bit of faith in America. Our relationship on this podcast I think the most positive thing that it's done is it's proven for you and me and for anybody who's listened to our conversations that progressives and conservatives can work together and that good things happen when they do. And even more importantly than that, that we can get along with each other, that we can coexist, that we're both humans, that we're not an evil other side, that we are just two people who are decent people who sincerely want what's best for our country. And so you leaving is just another example of the experiment of coexistence failing. And I find that deeply sad. Me too. I know you do. You wouldn't have been worrying about it for a week and a half if you didn't. Um, all right, so. Rather than trying to resolve all of the differences that we could have spent another 500 episodes attempting to resolve, here's what I would propose. I will carry on as the sole host of the podcast. And the reason I'm deciding to do this is because instead of having one co-host, I want to have like half a dozen. So what I'm thinking is I want to have a cast of guests with whom I have long conversations like the sort that you and I had over the course of almost 130 episodes because a one-on-one -on -one conversation, you can get pretty far with that and it's still really helpful to, to do. But to me, and I've listened to a lot of podcasts, I've never, ever, ever, ever heard another podcast that did what you and I accomplished in the last 130 episodes. And our loyal listeners, I'm really happy that, they, that they've listened to it. And, if, if, and listening to all of them is really worthwhile, even though much of it is outdated at this point. Because what's truly remarkable about what we did is that we had an evolution where we came to understand each other's points of view better than we did before. And not only that, but we found common ground in a way that is healing for us and for this country. I want to exemplify that with more people. And so rather than let this die, I want to let your legacy live on in seeking out that exact kind of long form, meaningful discussion with multiple progressives 
some of whom will be will want to talk about policy more, some of whom will want to talk about philosophy more, some of whom will want to talk about rhetoric more, and some of whom will want to talk about political strategy more. And 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 so maybe like Joshua from New Progressive Voice, for example, he'll probably be my go-to guy for the philosophy discussions. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I like that guy. Yeah. Um, and so I guess I'll be the only host in the sense that I'll be the only person who's in every episode, but there's going to be a cast of personalities who come on reg regularly. My reason for deciding to do this is because I want to do, I want to do multiple versions of what you and I did, because I think it's a truly wonderful thing. That's very helpful for everybody involved, including me. Um, but it's also because as you said, there are a lot of options out there, there, there and really they're is. all successful on their own. These are people who are already doing their own podcasts in most cases. So they're experienced podcasters and they've got the equipment and all that stuff. Most of them don't have time to do three episodes a week, right. but lots of them have time to do one every other week. And so I think if I get a cast of six progressives and I do want them all to be progressives because if I'm going to be the, the only, the, the only person who's on every episode that gives me a lot of power to control the narrative. Um, so my, my regular guests, or I guess a cast of, of, of them, um, they're all going to be progressive. And I'm going to be continuing this goal of trying to, have, to work out the differences between conservative and progressives. And really, frankly, continue this goal of, of refining and spreading the new narrative that you and I um, created, which I honestly think should be the future of not just the Democratic Party, but politics in general. Um, this, it's a way of getting around that toxic idea that we're enemies. It's a way of saying like in a democracy, we need to work together, not be at each other's necks all the time, each other's throats all the time. And I think that's healthy and, and, and positive. So I'm going to try to do that with multiple people. And of course, I'll also occasionally have, uh, um, other guests on like, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to get at least one person from the Lincoln project on already got lined up. Um, I just got Marianne Williamson's cell phone number from her. So that's weird. Um, so that's really exciting stuff, but, uh, here's what I would like to ask of you, Corey, and you don't have to say yes or no right now, but I would like to ask you to consider staying, leaving as a co-host and when you're ready and only when you're ready without a set schedule, only when you want to, maybe you and I continue talking about policy and just keep our conversations focused on policy as one of the regular guests on the show. Because I think that you and I are really good at policy. And uh, one of the reasons it works is because whenever you've started to hate me, uh, Rio's just going to let people die. He's going to cut out, he's going to take away their social security and their Medicare. God damn it, right? I just go like UBI, <laughs> right? But the reason it works is because I'm not like placating you. It's true. We both support UBI. And I think, I think that um, the, somebody on the show, I would like to carry, help me carry on the tradition of like, you know, embodying Yane's principle of threading the needle. And so the, the first thing that you and I could do that with on is uh, um, the, consensus platform that Biden and Sanders hashed out. I think it'd be really fun to go through that in detail with you. Um, 
So if you're open to that, you don't have to say yes or no now. If you wanted to stay on as the as one of the you know um, recurring guests, I uh, no, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say yes to that right now. Oh really? Wow, that's wonderful. Um, it's well, a smaller commitment. Like, like the, the... <laughs> and you don't have to feel like you're responsible for everything I say no, no, in no. every episode. You speak for yourself. Like the. It... I love you, Corey. I really do, honestly. Shut up. <laughs> and you can, I was about to say you'll only see the tears in Corey's eyes. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I definitely don't want this to end. Like when yeah. I was, I was like, you know, I was pissed when you were already finding my replacement. But then, like five <laughs> seconds later, I'm like, well, that's fair, I guess. Um, now, granted, like I didn't go look up for his replacement when he broke up with me on Twitter, but whatever, that's fine. Um, but no, like the, very quickly. Um, I realized that I didn't people, the first three times you broke up with me either. I could just tell this was different. Also, I had a lot of time. No, that's no, because I, I no, I went, I went dark. No, I, I'm, <laughs> I believe me, like that. I w- wasn't grumpy about that for very long. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, but you know, because it, the it, it hurts like, when your girlfriend breaks up with you and then she's already with another guy like the next week. No, but like <laughs> this isn't. I know we took we we fuck around with the breakup thing because it's funny, but you are right that this this like there's a reason why I went and did hours and hours and hours of work and spent almost every waking minute thinking about it. Yeah. Um, I mean, if I'm being honest, it definitely disturbed me for parts of my runs on the beach with my dog made it a little bit less enjoyable. Yeah. I mean like, and I know, and this is the good, the good thing about it, right? Like my patience is at a, a, a premium like a big fucking premium. Um, but there are those like Josh and fucking, you know, uh, AJ, who's a like ridiculous fucking awesome human being or Chet, the fucking communist genius psycho, right? Like th- there are, there are, there are people hungry to keep engaging in this way mm-hmm. and they will be more productive than I am being right now. That's like to, to further, this goal that's just a real thing now like i i don't want to just run away like i i i am still proud of the things that we have managed to accomplish um and so yeah like the ability to 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 do stuff like that you know on a semi-regular basis but then also you know relish in the fact that a, a lot of other progressive expertise is getting um you know you can piss off other people for a while is also good well and and it and the the longer the conversation goes on the more it hurts when i do <laughs> but yeah no you're right i mean you just named three of the people that are on the list yeah of course right like that you know it, it's 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 not our like listeners we... will know all of them yeah um Debate yeah, like getting going too well the the you know having having the lincoln project people on is awesome talking to marianne williamson not gonna lie a little jealous about that but fuck it that's awesome um well i have her number that doesn't mean she's gonna put out yet still like i got her number guys and i'm bragging about it like a typical guy (laughs) i'm I'm, I'm sorry i'm here for it i still remember as a total aside like hearing about marianne williamson the touchy-feely crystal lady was like what the fuck and then the first debate she says the most prescient thing that just was real like hey we should be about love not hate like i want to be 
judgmental about that, except that she's right. Fuck. <laughs> anyway. I, I want to talk to her about foreign policy because touchy-feely loving crystal lady is much more hawkish on foreign policy than I would have thought. Really? Yeah. And it turns out it's because for her, it comes from a place of like a sense that she has a moral responsibility to make the whole world a better place. And I think that would be a fascinating conversation. I agree. That's like, yeah. you know, if, if Reagan was actually telling the truth about all the things they said, I would be more or less, that would be the way. Sorry, Hippie mom to... Reagan. There you go. That's Hippie Marianne Williamson for you. <laughs> Dude, you have to do that episode and it has to be called that. Like that's <laughs> Hippie mom Reagan. That's fucking brilliant. Sweet Jesus. Yep. All right. Well, thank you for agreeing to do that because I, you guys really telling the truth. Corey did not know I was going to ask him that. <laughs> no. And like, I, I, I was hoping that that was the case though. Oh, really? And I was even, yes. Well, like I, not that I would be included in it. Um, but then it would continue. Yeah. 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 And, and honestly, like the more I thought about it, the more I was thinking that just getting one progressive was an error. So like you, huh. yeah, no, I mean, you're, you're onto something. Got great minds think alike. Apparently. Even, you know, when they're at their wits end. Yeah. Which is me. Well, and I think I think that you're probably right. I think that like you're just recognizing that, you know, there are limits to what you're willing and able to do. You know, and I think that's actually super noble and pragmatic of you to acknowledge and act. That's me, fucking noble and pragmatic. (laughs) You are. I mean, you know, when we were talking about um, you know, the the people who were saying hashtag never Biden and we, you know, rant and rant and rant about, about how much those people drive us crazy, which is something that some people who have listened to our podcast have very harshly criticized us both on, by the way. They think that we don't, we don't care enough about the people who are cynically and apathetically disenchanted from Look, the system. It's a day, well, and, and Chet actually brought up a bunch of scientific studies about the fact that shame marginalizes people and causes more insular behavior so and that's what we're doing when you know when we're having that that Ugh, reaction fuck. leave it to chet well that's the thing Although, he's a fucking asshole but one of the things i want right. to talk to chet about because right? like, he and i are going he, he and i are going to have a long conversation one of the things i want to talk to chet about is about this uh this issue of nature versus nurture because he's he's um his main area of uh experience is um sociology and so like he's definitely coming most of his arguments i've noticed come from a perspective of you know assuming that nurture is the stronger factor and there's a lot of recent scientific evidence that suggests that's not the case yeah Um, but okay that well like for example when he says if you know we gave everybody a ubi yes it's true their iq would go up slightly by a you know a standard deviation which is nothing to scoff at but I don't think that's necessarily going to turn them into better people. That's where we disagree, but like, maybe I'm wrong. Well, here's the thing. Like all you have to do, you always look at, at, at similar, at similar, similar populations culturally that have one primary difference, meaning governance and economics, right? Sure. The, yeah. So just look at the difference between Canada and the United States. Do we have shit heels in Canada? Yep. But not as many. Yeah. That's actually a really good point because um, regardless of the nature nurture debate, which is really more a debate about like how is your personality formed 
that's actually a separate issue from the incentive structures issue, which is one that we all mm. agree on. Right. Yeah, no, I'm not sure. Yeah, like, because like, it's more like, it's separate. more right, right. You, but you see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. so I could be right. For example, that giving people a thousand dollars a month, isn't really going to change their personality that much because nature rules. And yet at the same time, the way that their personality actually interacts with the system would change as a consequence of a shift in incentive yeah, structures. I guess like I, maybe, maybe it comes down to the number of, of, like if you hang out with poor people and this is why like my experience in pasco county because i play i played music for all these assholes right and the the amount of it's and it was shocking right like when you come from canada where like i i came from a really small town in the arctic you know which was not really you know, uh, I think it was majority white by like a person, right? There was mostly, you know, Inuit definitely was when I first got there, but you know, over, over time, it sort of mixed up a little more or whatever. Like if you were racist, we smashed you. Like you got your ass kicked in the bar because it's minus 40 outside. We all have to live together and we're just not going to fucking do that here. Right. Um, going from that to, a dive bar in Florida where everyone is just casually racist as fuck. Like, like it to the point where I would ritually call out my very, very good friends for standing there like fucking silent cowards for not addressing it. But nobody had ever addressed it. Like nigger jokes are fine in central florida right oh no 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 no. and you find out like their grandmothers are just as bad right and so factor that into every economics argument that has been getting trained into the body politic in the united states for 50 60 years it's all nurture all of it and if you suddenly inject a thousand dollars a month you dramatically change the narrative so that a lot of it doesn't work anymore but then every single interaction is changed. Yeah, no, I mean and now, uh, granted, uh, like, are shit yeah. heels still going to be shit heels? Yes, it's going to take a while to, you know, it, like you don't you don't change the direction of this cultural ship overnight, right? Not over even twenty years. It's going to take a hot minute to figure it out, right? Because like the the you know, healthcare situation in Canada hasn't been this way for five minutes. It's been this way since my grandparents' time, right? And so there's that that idea that you are like there is a floor underneath which you probably will not fall has been culturally viscerally understood by everyone in Canada for so long that they don't even know how shitty it is in the United States. Like I guarantee you they don't know. And I have to tell them all the time. They have no idea. Right. Right. They can't Um, even imagine it. Yeah. No, I mean on, on, on the incentive structures thing, we definitely agree. Obviously there's um, here we are having a fucking policy chat. Yes, indeed. Anyway. Yeah, no, the, the, yeah. Uh, so that's the, the kind of stuff I'll talk to Chet about. Yeah, and might, dude, I would tune yeah. into that because, like, he he will mm-hmm. be infinitely more well-read and eloquent than I could ever be in that conversation. <laughs> like, he's gonna well, come. And, he's gonna come. But with there's also at the same like time, that. I don't think there's anybody. I don't think there's anybody who is better qualified to be my go-to person for finding consensus on policy, because you and I have done that very well. I think. Um, not that I won't ever talk about policy with other people, of course, but yeah. you know what I'm saying. Well, and, and like it, it could, 
it's also kind of like the whole reason that we started working together on this. Right? Yeah, well, it, like we the did the hard work to figure out world. to figure out how to figure out that right that yeah. that framework. Um, and you know, fans of the show that 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 will will come and sit in my you know rhetorical chair. I think are, will come in armed with a lot of that, which is good. Yeah. All right. Well. <sighs> no one died. <laughs> Nobody died, and we're not even really breaking up. We're just staying. Well, we're breaking up, but we're staying friends. Is that how it goes? We're friends with benefits, actually. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say, like, I'm a legit <laughs> side piece, motherfucker. Okay, that couldn't have gotten weirder. Oh uh, man, since it since uh, well, I it, it won't be your last time saying it, but do you want to say it? Sure. Moving forward is our luscious, salty, slightly sweet. Very spicy, but nourishing gumbo. Thank you very much for listening to the Moving Forward podcast. Rio and I are so excited that the Humanity First movement is moving forward. Something you can do to help is go to movingforwardpod.com where you can find us on social media, read our blog, and support us on uh, the Patreon. Right, Rio? Right. Long time no see. It has been a hot minute. I'm looking down at you. Yes. Yeah, that's... Um, um, that's not metaphorically true, even if you think it is. <laughs> I'm not touching that one. <laughs>